Welcome to the latest episode of the Information Entry Podcast. Today, we're exploring how cutting-edge innovations are reshaping the medical landscape, offering new hope and possibilities for treatment and patient care. From AI-assisted surgeries to breakthroughs in biotechnology, we are at the forefront of the medical revolution at this day and age. My name is Mitchell. I am joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom. Hello. Uh, and let's dive straight into it. Hello, Tom. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm I'm doing well. I, I've been practicing like my my intro segue. And my voice changed. Did you see it? I did. did uh, I, I, I sounds like it's cut. The cue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think slowly over time, you know, I'm getting over the whole "my name is I am" situation. If I keep doing these intros, eventually I'll get to a point where I won't care. It's like um, exposure therapy. Yeah, just habituation slowly. <laughs> see, if nothing else, <laughs> we help you overcome your existential <laughs> crisis. Yeah, I I had to do it today in work. I was like, meet, new meeting for a new project, new group of people, and everyone, uh, like, it's a, such a corporate thing. Like, oh, we'll just, you know, go around the group, say who you are, where you're, where, where, what part you like, of the, like, where you work, what section, and like, just build your experience, that kind of stuff. And everyone's like, hello, my name's Mitchell. I work in X. Yeah. I work with X. I've worked on X, and that's why I'm here um you say it's a corporate thing it It happens in academia a lot as well especially when you're collaborating yeah i get why you have to do it give a bit of background but like oh it's like it's a bit more fun though i play with dolphins i play with seals yeah you know yeah Uh, mine's not like you know i'm compliance that's my jam cool (laughs) let's move on uh you made it you made it through the ordeal i did i did i did like normally uh there's someone more senior than I who introduces me on my behalf. He's like, oh. Mitchell, he works as part of my team. But I would, you know, step into the forefront there, throwing punches with the big dogs. Yeah. Soon enough, you'll be introducing someone. Yeah, maybe, maybe so, maybe so. And nah. you'll be like, I remember when I was you. <laughs> <laughs> Come under my wing, little one. Yeah. Um, no. Don't right. I should be trusted with <laughs> training fledglings. <laughs> Nah, they, they may come out slightly more cynical than the average fledgling, but they, mm. they wouldn't fledge, they will. Yeah, yeah. Um, right, so this week we're doing advances in medical technology. But before yes. we kind of get to that, uh, I got some news, um, and it is related to advances in medical technology, actually, and it's something that Mitch has brought up a few times, and it relates to Alzheimer's. So um, at the start of the 20th century, uh Alois Alzheimer became the first person to notice strange clumps and tangles in the brain of a person who had died with dementia, and this became synonymous uh, a synonymous symptom with the Alzheimer's disease. So these bundles of amyloid beta proteins have since become the dominant hypothesis for what causes Alzheimer's disease, and despite decades of failed studies, uh, finding ways to clear them away has remained an obsession. People had the idea, we get rid of these amyloid proteins, uh, beta plaque proteins as they're also known then we could alleviate or maybe even cure Alzheimer's. Now in two trials a drug designed to eradicate these sticky plaques has failed to preserve the cognitive abilities of people with early Alzheimer's disease compared to people giving a placebo. Uh, it was a monoclonal monoclonal antibody gantunuramub I think that's the type of medication mm. um, And while it did significantly reduce the amount of amyloid beta plaque in the brain as it was intended, it did not translate into improvements in cognitive function. And this, these results arrive, as Mitch has said, uh, I think you said it a few weeks ago last time, but you brought up how there was this massive juncture in debate around whether this hypothesis, this theory well, hypothesis actually, not it's not a theory, whether this hypothesis was actually true. Do these plaques cause Alzheimer's? Because there had been a massive investigation by mm-hmm. Science, which was a, uh, a journal, very big journal, mm-hmm. um, and they had found out that maybe um, one of the uh, early amyloid plaque studies was falsified, which means everything since that, which, you know, a good 15, 20, maybe more years now, 30, um, has just been false. And this is yet another study, possibly the most conclusive evidence that we have that amyloid beta plaque 
does not cause Alzheimer's, but is in fact a product of. And removing it, mm-hmm. which is the first time they've ever been able to do so, didn't have an effect. Um, so yeah, again, it kind of just adds to this theory more conclusively than we've had before, I think, that uh, unfortunately, in this instance, uh, medicine has been sent down the wrong path. Yep. Um, so not great news, but I knew, I knew we had brought this to you guys in the past. I thought some people might be interested. Um, and, and since it was here, I, I thought it was a, a good thing to bring up, uh, kind of maybe wrap up. And this is honestly, unfortunately, this is the the bad side of science. Sometimes, you know, it is trial and error. You got to test things out. If we hadn't have done this, we wouldn't have known it was the wrong way to go. Um, you could place blame on the people who falsified their data. Yes, that is definitely a place uh, a place to go. But at least we know something that doesn't work. I guess mm-hmm. trying to take the positives from it. Um, but yeah, there's a graph that they've like given out to everyone they had a thousand people 962 people in the placebo trial 996 people in this uh, medical trial and yeah the differences are minimal it does look like the the amyloid beta plaque helps like the tiniest amount but scientifically it's not significant so they've done tests to see like is could have this happened by chance and yes it could have happened by chance the results that we see so yes unfortunate but we know more than we did yesterday. So, yes. Yep. There was a a, a dark joke there about for people with Alzheimer's. Um, but you can form uh, that in, in your in, in your oh own heads. No. I, I don't I don't need to say it. Ah, okay. Yes. So, <laughs> right. Take it away. The sooner we move on, the better. <laughs> um. So, advancement in healthcare technology. Yes. Yeah, you got some facts. I think we've both got some facts for you today, which is... I did? First. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Good job, Tom. I wouldn't say it's the first, but it's been a while, you know? <laughs> and they say you fall off the horse, there's no getting back on it. I'm here to prove to you that is not the case. Mm. There was no horse mm. in the beginning. It's just part of the journey. Yeah. Um, I'll go first, I guess. I've hyped it up. Yeah, you really so, have hyped it up uh, it, <laughs> In... Uh, <laughs> You know, you go back to when we were younger, video games were considered the just detrimental to everyone's health. Um, yeah. I think there could be, especially now with virtual reality, huge applications in the medical space, uh, both for mental health. I know I've got a couple of meditation apps on my VR headset. They're a great time. Uh, really do calm you down as well. Um, and also, actually, I know surgeons and uh, doctors will practice in VR environments um, and they report having better training and results at the end of that. This is slightly different though. So this was approved in 2020. It's called Endeavor RX and it's the first and only FDA cleared video game treatment for ADHD. The game is used to help improve the attention span of children. Uh, The trial was uh, children 8 to 12 years old uh, and Mm -hmm. it requires a prescription from the doctor. So it is an endless runner type game. So what I mean is you just kind of run down a pathway until you you kind of fail at the game. Uh, you have to use your gyro controls to hit goals. So you tilt your phone to go left, right. Um, at the same time, animals are flying at you and you have to hit the right ones, ones that spawn to a, ones that are a certain color. And that changes as you go through the game. It gets faster, things like that. Um, it targets multiple areas of the brain related to attention and sensory processing. And in clinical studies, 73% of the participants reported an increased ability to pay attention um, that lasted a long time. So the kids had to play for five minutes, five days a week for four weeks. And even a month after they stopped playing, they, the parents and uh, the children themselves had reported increased rates of attention. Uh, so yeah, we're now at the point in life where you can get prescribed a video game. Yeah, when you started that, one of my um, facts is to do with therapies. Oh yeah, for so VR is being very heavily used as therapy for therapeutic purposes, including treatment for PTSD, anxiety, 
and pain management, which I think is quite interesting, especially for PTSD. If you're trying to do uh, exposure therapy, it's easier to do those exposure therapy, especially if, you know, the situation that you need to recreate is yes. complex. It's easier to create it digitally. Because Absolutely. even... Because you don't need it to be... I'm, I'm trying to think, like, how it would work. But if it's an event that can trigger PTSD, you don't need it to be that uh, realistic, is what I'm saying, in terms of the graphic fidelity. Yes. You just need to, like, recreate... <laughs> so if something like you're walking down a street and something happened, you just need to recreate, like, the trick the brain's been like, you're walking down a street. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be, like, and then a 4K, 8K. Occurring. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it just needs to, 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 do, to have the, the correct exposure, which I think is can be very, very useful. It is Very surprising. I, I know if you've never tried virtual reality and you're looking and go, oh, it looks quite cartoony. I'd never believe I'm there. You you play the mini golf game. You forget yeah. you're not walking around sometimes. Um, <laughs> the amount of really? times that we've almost fallen over to be like, oh yeah, I'm just going to lean on this, uh, <laughs> the pitch of the, um, the, the putter here, gone to lean on nothing and nearly stacked it. <laughs> Your brain will truly believe that you are in a cartoon world uh, if it wants yeah. to. Um, like getting down on one knee, just iron up if you can make it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, we should do that again. That was a fun time. They have released many, many maps and part of their Discord. We're talking about Walkabout Mini Golf, by the way, if anyone's interested in a really good golf golfing game with some yeah. developers that are really good people and have released DLC that's like downloadable content that's not really really expensive and it's actually really really good really well made yeah really well made yeah um I'm hashtag like, not sponsored just big fans yeah it's um, like it's like apiary which do yes. we, we say oh no since our last episode we, we, we got thank thank um what is his name mr stone meyer himself <laughs> yeah i believe it's jeremy meyer from stone meyer jeremy games. meyer yeah from stone Let meyer me games double check that jamie uh, jamie stegmeyer sure. Jamie Stegmaier from Semi Games, who very kindly gave us a um, oh, it's, it's it's a what's it? It's an Instagram retweet. Oh, it's a retweet. A reel. He put us on his reels. Um, he shared the post. I don't know. There we shared go. the post. Shared the post that we made about Apiary and the the podcast. So shout out to him. Appreciate that. Uh, yeah. Pretty cool. Seeing that he's made, like him and his team has made our collectively our favorite games. <laughs> Yeah, really um scythe wingspan and apiary apiary mm. oh, just banger after banger just um, banger after banger they they know they know how to do it um yeah um, formula really awesome so check out the game check out last week if you want to know about apiary and beast specifically um, yeah yeah it was a good time the dance the, the dances they do which is so funny that they incorporate that into the game like, incorporate yeah, a lot learning. into the game um, <laughs> dance the husband or partner sorry of connie who was the designer of the game uh also commented on our post and we, we had a bit of a an interaction which was again great to hear from they were saying that all of the factions you can play as are named after different subspecies of bees no way yeah oh, i didn't realize that that's awesome so literally everything to do with the game is linked back to be somehow you've got uh yeah i don't know <laughs> dances what? right pathologist uh, bees yeah right <laughs> uh the engineers. pains hexes all these kinds of things um, the carve the carve one yeah. yeah so it's just so intricate and if you looked at each thing you would like find its tie back to the real world so uh couldn't sing its praises enough it's a great game check it out it is if you are into not very competitive games you just want to have a good game by yourself is what i found yeah it's not like super super interactive like i'm yeah, not that, that's... tearing you down i kind of am because we're competing for the same resources yeah it's that, that's not like the only I'm doing thing things is to attack speed you speed resources uh that, that was my only comment compared to scythe i was like it's not very competitive yeah. You're compa- you're racing for the carve the middle bit. Yes. But it's not butting heads competitive. And I think a lot of people would enjoy that, to be honest. I know I've played people before that are like, oh, is this gonna be like, you know, you versus me and we're gonna be fighting that kind of stuff, and that's put them off games. So I think it's actually there's yeah. a good balance. 
Good balance there. I'd say if you're a fan of Wingspan, you'll like Apiary. It's an asymmetric uh, game. Good time. Yeah. Uh, Okay, next. Uh, I've got some facts that actually lead on to major sections that I think we'll cover. Yeah, So uh, AI and diagnostics. So we've done a whole episode on artificial intelligence. We want to know more about that and how it came to be in the history of it. But it's now being used um, to diagnose certain conditions more accurately than other than human doctors, especially in areas like radiology and pathology. Um, my sister actually works on a team that's trying to get this right. You probably flag me if I got this wrong. But essentially, uh, for breast cancer screening, the initial screening is done by AI. Okay. And if I think if like the percentage likelihood is above a certain amount, then a doctor looks at it. So oh, a doctor doesn't have cool. to look at every single screening. It's like it like it go it gets passed through the AI first, and then if it's above a certain threshold, it then gets given to the doctor. Um, so yeah, he's doing that. There's um, a really interesting story which I I always love to bring up when I can. But basically, there's there was a bakery in Japan. This is the start, yeah. And they were like, hey, uh, we don't want to touch people's food, so we're going to get them to like scan their own food. or, or And the, the most efficient way that they came out of was if everyone just kind of laid their bread roll under a camera, it would use AI to basically scan the images, say what bread mm. was there, and then you know charge them the right price. And it was really, really good at this kind of uh, image recognition stuff. Someone, a doctor reached out to them was like oh can i have the code i want to try it on uh, cancer cells because again that's how we screen for cancer we just do it visually and the success rate was staggeringly high and now that piece of ai that started in a bakery um, is being used worldwide for a variety of different visual assessment tasks um, and it's yeah. really really good it's it's also brilliant is it wasn't just like here's a loaf of bread it was like it was pastries Yes. So yes. it was like, here's Intricate. a croissant, here's a Danish, here's a pie, here's an open face sandwich, a um, bunch of different varieties, scan them. So, yeah, absolutely crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah, it was cool. For them. Um, which, so all the AI systems that our listeners and you probably heard of so like siri google translate alpha go they all use the technique that was created by the japanese team oh really yeah oh, i had <laughs> yeah. no idea yeah um much like i don't I think i don't think i've been i they went their own way because they don't didn't need to do uh like visual scanning that was the yes. whole different strain of ai um yeah no that's cool hmm Awesome. Um, does, does that lead into a section for you, or are we going to fact it out? Uh, that can lead into a section, yeah. So I, I, I went down the route of the AI uh, machine learning in healthcare. Okay. Now, it marked a revolutionary leap in predictive medicine by harnessing the power of technologies. Healthcare providers can now anticipate patient risks and outcome with greater precision thus enabling earlier interventions and personalised care strategy. Uh, the detailed explore, uh, exploration delves into advancement applications and potential futures in predictive medicine. So a brief overview of how we you know, used it, uh, or if you don't know what AI is, it, AI refers to a simulation of human intelligence and machines programmed to think and learn like humans. And machine learning is a subset of that artificial intelligence. It involves the development of algorithms that enable computers to learn and make decisions from data without being explicitly programmed. So AI is the big umbrella term, and then machine learning is the specific part that uses algorithms to make decisions from data without being explicitly programmed. Uh, so in healthcare, these technologies are utilized for a wide range of applications from diagnosis and treatment recommendations to patient monitoring and drug development. So data-driven diagnostics is one section, which is the AI can analyze vast data sets, including medical records and imaging to identify patterns and anomalies. This ability has enhanced diagnostic accuracy, especially in the fields like oncology, cardiology, and neurology. So that's your heart, your brain. What's oncology? oncology 
Um, is it colon? Uh, don't don't know. The study and treatment of tumors. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, so cancer. Tu- cancer in general, yes. The study, the study of cancer. So, cancer brain and your heart, um, which is the imaging one, as we as we have already said. That's that's what that's doing because it it can't use. I guess it can use if you've got bloods from because they give off T cells and stuff uh, yes. indicators. Um, because I had for my cardiology stuff, they went and did my bloods, and they were like, "Oh, possibly polyembolism." Um, yeah. Risk stratification is the the next advancement, which is machine learning models, learning models can stratify patients based on their risk of developing certain conditioning uh, conditions, uh, enabling targeted preventative measures. For instance, AI models can predict the likelihood of patients developing chronic diseases like diabetes or heart disease, so you can get in before it becomes. A really big issue, especially with diabetes. Mm-hmm. If you can yeah. start like the treatment program really early, um, especially if you've got a young child who you, they can predict if they're going to have it when they're adults, it's better to get that uh, sort of like a routine and knowledge in place before you know something drastic happens and you they have to learn something which is quite difficult. Yes. But getting a, a teen to follow a, a, a regiment uh, is going to be harder than if you had like oh, a 100%, four or five year old. Yes, you, uh, yeah, always difficult. And uh, uh, the regiment wouldn't be as strict if you got them on earlier. It'd be yes. easier to follow, right? And then talking about the treatment plans themselves, by analysing individual patient data, you can assist in creating a personalised treatment plan. So it's not just here's what everybody uses and this is what we think helps the best. It's Okay, because of X, Y, Z and your family history and where you are now and, you know, weight, all that kind of stuff, you can create treatment plans that are more effective and have fewer side effects. So this is particularly beneficial in managing complex conditions like cancer because you're unique to everybody and different people need different things at different times. But if you've got enough data, you can just say, okay, you need to do X, Y, Z with the knowledge that the side effects are going to be fewer. Yeah, and, and you know, I think people are like, "Oh, AI is coming into another sector," but it's not like it's replacing doctors and nurses and people who make the final no. decisions. Right? It's being used as a tool, right? Like, if you have all of this data about one person, the more data, the better when it comes to you know medicine and uh, curing and prevention, all of that kind of stuff. Often, it's far too much for one person to consider. Um, yeah. Definitely, definitely. And so, why yeah, if the, we have the screening, it's it's not a case of replacing doctors, but like making not them more efficient, but like the process before it gets them more efficient is actually better. Increase, yeah, yeah. Because imagine is that like if you had that in place and it was one hundred percent accurate, like a, a doctor would need to look at you know the four or five and can spend that time looking more accurately at the four or five because they've got yeah. more time than having to look at the hundred, maybe missing one because it's the 92nd because they're tired because they're human. That, that's, yeah, exactly. that's another thing that comes into it. Um, but everybody makes mistakes, even doctors, which is, you know, people but seem to of forget. Of course they do. High pressure environments, yeah. right? Uh, workload. But yeah, I think it's people obviously that the media pushes it in a certain way where you know ai is going to overtake everything blah 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 um and i'm not saying it's not dangerous in certain regards but when used as an effective tool as as mitch says to increase the workflow oh, i just think it has really great applications inside mm. the medical sphere i'm really excited to see what happens yeah so challenges and ethical considerations of using ai because it is that's another thing that's the forefront Right, are, yes. Uh, the ethical considerations of it, uh, you know, it's personal data, it's data privacy and it's like data security and how ethical it is to use that in data models when you've got things like HIPAA in place, GDPR in place. Uh, I don't think the UK, or maybe, not my sector, um, but the UK may have its own version of HIPAA. So HIPAA is the health information protection act okay there's a p missing there and i'm sure it means something but (laughs) 
not American, don't work in that that sector. But it's essentially saying like there are very stringent rules in place where you know companies can't use your data, especially about your healthcare, in certain ways. Right. Um, even though you know there's there's some there's some weird laws that overruled that, especially in states that with like the whole tracking of um abortions and things. Oh, big yeah. red flag that there was there was some legal back and forth whether they were allowed to use their data for it or not if it was protected um yeah like big. menstrual cycle data from like women um using yeah their Just. apps to track the cycle right yeah oh, one of the things horrific. that compared to i think the uk or uh, europe is you can give away that right in america so if you agree to give up your data they can just use it for whatever they want uh, so in the terms and conditions of those apps, you give up the right. The other one that's really concerning that people need to get on board with is like is it the 23andMe, the one that you can send away your DNA and then it finds like your ancestry or uh, ancestry.com is another one. Yeah. Um, all those websites, I actually found this this week, all those, all those companies were set up not to actually help people find their, their, um, their history or other family members that was the pr front end what they wanted to actually do is to use the dna uh and all the genetic markers to fill out their database to make it a type of database in the first place because yeah. it's really difficult to people to be like oh, can you submit you know, a mouth swab so you can be put in this database but putting this positive spin on it like enable people but what the issue is now is they're potentially selling that data to for other companies and uh companies private organizations and governments there's already a connection between uh the government and that certain versions of that database i think we've talked about this before and how like crimes are now being solved because you know criminals are putting their dna into the the database Right, and now yeah. they're like crime scene investigation have got like DNA from crime scene. They compare it against the database. Thinking about that AI, they probably don't have access to, it's not AI, API, the connection, the API is a connection between a client sort of portal and the database. I don't think you would be able to pull out everybody's, but you could have a list and then get the information from it. So you've got to keep that in mind. Like I, I personally wouldn't, Especially as you don't know in the future if, you know, there's going to be security, cybersecurity stuff that's all to do with your genetics to get into. Like, you can lock your account based on your DNA. Oh, right, Um, yeah. Because if they've got a database of it, someone could, you know, hack into that database, find all the things, and then use something to recreate it to get into stuff. So you also don't know how secure that database is. There's massive concerns around that. Yeah, that's wild. Oh well, so that's the the challenges and ethical considerations when you've yeah. got to use, yeah, when, especially AI, but also when you're giving away your uh, health data. But some real world applications of the AIs being used: IBM's Watson Health is the name. Uh, that wasn't just saying that you know Watson's healthy, but IBM's Watson's <laughs> Health. It uses AI to analyze medical data and provide evidence based treatment options. Um, particularly impactful in oncology, where it assists in identifying personalized cancer treatments for individuals. And then Google's got their own with their DeepMind Health. And DeepMind Health works on AI research to improve the accuracy of medical predictions and diagnoses. Um, It's shown remarkable results in diagnosing eye diseases from retinal scans. Oh, that's cool. Mm. Very cool. Yeah, so some awesome stuff going on some future directions uh looks very promising and where this is going to go uh there's there's so much it can do there's a lot of research that's focused on improving accuracy um expanding applications and integrating as we've said these technologies more seamlessly into routine clinical procedures and practices yeah um a lot of what i think my sister works on is how can we frame it in a way to sell it to people to try and get them to believe in it, want to do it, uh, remind them to do it and not be scared of it. Yeah. I think is another thing that people are very scared of AI at the moment. Um, 
I think it's one of those things, right? But we just cannot see where it's going to go. You know, yeah. ChatGPT came out when? A year ago? Not even? Not even that. Not even that, I don't think. Right. No. And just think about how much that has changed. Oh, ChatGPT is absolutely right? crazy. Now they've, they've unleashed it on the internet. I'm not sure yeah. if our listeners, how much they, they, you know, use it. But you've got, so when they got released, it was ChatGPT 1. And that was the primary one. And that was EU's date of, to two years ago. Then it was two. Then we got 3.5 is the free version. Yeah, that's the current then free version. If you have the premium version, which I decided that I was going to have a mess around with, uh, which is four, uh, it's got uh, Dali, Dali, if you want to call it Dali. Dali, I think, after the... Dali, uh, which makes no sense. Salvador because, Dali. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But Wally. Don't call yes. it Wally, like he no, says. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, it's got it's got that in, in built into it. You can upload files to it, and it can read it and interpret things for you. You can browse the internet with it, and then you can get it to analyze web pages for you through it. It's absolutely absolutely mental what you can do with it now, and you can set up your own little um, personalized yeah. like widgets, essentially your, your own personal GBT. Um, I had a play around with one that was to do with um, the negotiator. Uh, and it was right. to help you advocate for yourself and get better outcomes, become a good negotiator. Okay. I was like, how can I uh, <laughs> negotiate my salary to like a hundred thousand? And then it like walks you through what you would need to do, like the way that you need to present your arguments, that kind of thing. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Crazy stuff. And then I tried creating our own for the podcast. And yeah. now we've got the information entry podcast assistant ready to go. You do. Oh, I don't. I do. You don't have access to it yet no. because the links <laughs> the links don't work. Um, yeah. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Yeah. It's exciting. See where it goes. I get why people are scared, but it's here to stay. Yeah. Give it the program nerds. <laughs> I think it's, it is, it's the nerds who are with the program, actually, this time. Yeah, that's what, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, cool. One of the things I looked at was biomedical wearables. Um, oh, yeah. So think back in the day. I say back in the day, a couple of years ago, maybe more, they were emerging. Um, if you wanted to get an update on a condition you had or you wanted to see what your heart rate was doing... Uh, blood levels, glucose levels, fat content, all, all of these different things that you could measure about yourself, you would have to do a test. A doctor would have to take do bloods, then run analysis, then get back to you. Um, and of course, they're doing that with many, many people. So, you know, that can take up to a week sometimes, right? See what's going on. And even then, it's just a snapshot of what happened when you took the test. Um uh, I think people with diabetes would have to prick their finger, right? And they could have like a little portable blood test sampler thing that would tell them specifically blood sugar levels. Um, but again, yeah. it's a snapshot of what happening is happening um, exactly at that, that time. The, so, the latest one is a the they it's like a sticker they put on their their arm. Yes, exactly. And this is yeah. the this is exactly one of the biomedical wearables um, I was speaking about. So basically, these. Are, devices that are worn on the body and they've got a permanent sensor within the body so in the case of these uh, wearable stickers or they're like little plastic discs um, they've got a sensor in the body and literally you can tap your phone up to it because it's got a what are those little things you can scan with your phone it's not an nft scanner thing is it <laughs> nfc so nfc there we go it's got a little NFC tag in. So like when you use your wallet on your phone to pay for something, very similar thing, apart from it's not transferring money to your, your arm, it's reading a little tag in there that is constantly monitoring data and it's storing that and then uploads it to your phone. You can just go to a little app on your phone and it tells you exactly what has been happening in your body. Now, yeah, of course, they are the, very specific. The dumber one version, you don't even use your phone. There's an, you get like a, a little tablet -y thing. Uh, oh. and you pair it. You pair it once, and then it just is uh, constantly connected. Constant so it tells you, tells you a live reading Wild. of where, where you're at. Um, so yeah, so they consist of three main components. You have got your health monitoring sensors. So these are an array of sensors to monitor 
different parameters such as heart rate, blood pressure, temperature. Um, some of them even have electrocardiograms in them. Um, and the integration of like advanced sensor technologies allows this continuous and non-invasive health tracking. You don't have to go somewhere. No one has to prod you with a needle. Uh, you just constantly have a needle in you, but it's tiny. Um, you have activity tracking. So accelerometers, gyroscopes that will track physical activity. Here we're moving a bit more into like the Fitbits and the Garmin watch and these different uh, fitness and well-being trackers. That's probably more commonplace these days. Um, but still health, still reports things back to you, like heart rate and things like that. And one of the cool things here is remote patient monitoring. Now it kind of, I say cool things, um, you know, if you give someone a biomedical wearable and they're your patient and you want to access to real-time health data in case something goes wrong, you can even set up an alarm system if certain criteria or thresholds are exceeded. Um, you can, you know, measure chronic conditions or people recovering from chronic uh, or even medical procedures. Now, one of the worries about this is kind of along the same lines as what you touched upon. Who could get access to that data? Well, let's say we're in the future and someone decides to hack your, I don't know, medical wearable. They can literally see what your heart rate's doing. They can see, um, I don't know, maybe your blood glucose levels. Why would they want to? I'm not smart enough to know that. Oh, Tom, do you want, to tell, do you want me to tell you what I would do? Yeah, if I was trying to hack it. Uh, I would hack it and then put give someone too much insulin. Or Does it provide them... insulin? Because I thought that was still a manual thing. Are there no, some no, that you, provide you it? No, you get yeah, oh, okay. it. So you, you could potentially. What's the um the heart thing you have? But you put in your chest that regulates your your heart. Oh, what's that? Oh, it's it? on the tip of my tongue. Yes. Like a butterfly. No. Um. Heart rate. Oh, what was it? I'll, I'll, I'll find it. Um, it's like a, a, what would you call it? Like a defibrillator? One that made, like it keeps you, it keeps your heartbeat, heart rate, yeah, rhythm. I know exactly what it is, but I can't for the life of me. What? is the machine. pacemaker you absolute pacemaker. champion there awesome. we go Brilliant. okay so with the pacemaker because this is that is that if it's inside you does that count as a wearable um i would count uh, it if you can get data from it yeah yeah you, you very much could but you could potentially hack that to kill a person yeah true um yeah. you could flood the system with insulin as well flood the system with insulin uh, essentially stops somebody's heart and then they proved that uh, that you could in fact at range and it's the same principle uh, that people use to break into smart uh, smart cars but cars with smarter like the key fobs that you just need yeah. to be in a vicinity it essentially you have a relay boost where you've got one person that's got like a really big signal booster that just tries to find you know, if you leave your keys by your front door, they'll go by your front door, put the signal booster by the front door, they'll pick up the signal and then beam it to the car. Ah, right. And then start the car and then you can drive off. Because once you're driving it, you don't need to because turning off the engine once you're driving would be really dangerous. So yes. they don't do that in cars. But you said you can do the same thing with Harry, uh, the, the pacemakers, is if you could get someone to stand next to a booster, you could read it and then do nefarious things. Um so yeah. there you go. There's some examples of someone smarter <laughs> than me about why that's a bad thing. Yeah. Um, so do you know what you said about the whole the diabetes stuff? And one thing that I, I keep uh, keep an eye on, because I find it really interesting, is the smart contact lens for di diabetes. Have you seen this? No. I'll send you the, the link uh, for it. Uh, and we'll post it on some social, one of them with our name on it. Uh, but essentially it's a smart contact lens that can be used to essentially read your glucose level 
and then administer the drugs via the eye. That's pretty wild. Yeah, so you just have to <laughs> retinal reto, retino retinopathy. Yeah, retinopathy. That's what it's called. Tree tree for treating diabetic retinopathy. Um, yeah, absolutely crazy stuff. Really big uh, article, by the way. Many many pages long, but they go into detail about how how you do it, how it works, the possibility of it, like things like would it overheat doing the tests on like a I don't know if it's a human eye, but like a makeshift if it's like a pig's eye or something like that. It's a rabbit. How, it's a rabbit, is it? Okay. Yes. Yeah. So they go through everything, prove it, how it's gonna, how it could work in the future. Holy it would shit, look. This is wild. Right. <laughs> so they attach it to the eye. It's yeah. got like a electrical sensor and a chip on on the thing. It doesn't seem yeah. to occlude vision that much. No, not at all. It. Intakes your tears, yeah, yeah, and yeah. from your tears measures glucose, uh-huh. and then will on-demand drug delivery straight into, like the the veins in your eyes, so straight yeah. into your blood straight system. Straight into your, your eyeball. Your That's eyeballs. insane. Yeah, this, this is this is what I mean. This is where we are with technology, especially in um healthcare, where people don't realize about absolutely how crazy it's getting now, with how small that people can build things. That's so cool. I just did not think we were there. Yeah. Wild. <laughs> Absolutely really, really wild. is. Um, um. Yeah, they load it. Okay, it looks like one, two, three, four, five. They've got eight wells of, uh, like, drug... They've got eight drug res- reservoirs uh, inside mm-hmm. a flexible... It's called DDS, which I believe is Drug Delivery System. Um but I'm making that up as I read it, so unknown. But that makes sense. And basically the drug delivery system will open uh, once it... Yeah, the, the chip. It's not even a chip. It's like three copper wires around the outside. Um, and makes like a biosensor. And yeah, that's wild. That's crazy. Yeah. It's a really good article, well written, and uses lots of really good um, references that actually are... Now check it out but this is so this is going back to an idea that uh, i want to say ferrandos nicholas ferrandos had back in 2014 uh, okay. team where they said contacts could be used xyz you know like who's monitoring um and this this latest one is just showing how you know we've got the technology now this is how you do it this is the small chip that you can put it on we can do all this. Um, yeah. That's mad. Absolute <laughs> madness. Absolute madness. madness. Yeah. Now we just need one that can like can zoom that. in and enhance. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this has wild implications for uh, biologging as well. Uh, biologging being the attachment of tags to wild animals. Um, not even wild all the time. Just to see, you know, where do they go? What do they do? What happens to their body when they're doing like natural activities? So, um, especially seals and things like that. You know, if they're diving to two thousand meters, they got specialized though. Seals, don't they? They have specialized, but if if sensors can be that small to measure blood samples and mm. uh, what's happening, just you know, in measure sample of something. In this case, it's glucose in in teardrops. But yeah, that's wild. But yeah, seals can focus their eyes under and above water. But yeah, at 2,000 metres, you're not seeing much anyway. Yeah. Not that normal seals will go to 2,000 metres, but the elephant seals will, because they're mahusive. Yeah, have you seen the video of the one that recently is on like a a dock? Just kind of like hobbles along. And it's really, it's like a Canadian person. It's like, yeah, nice countryside, nice countryside. And just hears this noise to the left of him. He goes, what? And just see this elephant go, and then just front dives <laughs> off. It's like a 10 meter high wall into the water. And it's just, just like, the, yeah, it's funny. Absolutely hilarious. We would recommend going and finding that. Um, what were Grace and I watching? Talk about eyes and things. Oh, uh, David Attenborough's latest thing. Uh, Planet Earth 3, the water one, yes. the yeah. angel sharks, 
absolutely love them. Cackling every time I see an angel shark. So stupid looking. The fact that it, hi- it hides under the sand at the bottom of the sea and then jumps out at people and looks so stupid. Yes. Really. Yeah. Do you know what its uh, Latin name is? Um, no. Squatiner, squatiner. <laughs> <laughs> so apt. Just gonna yeah. squat here for a little bit, mate. <laughs> it's pull up from yeah, from the family of the yeah. squatinade. <laughs> squatiner, squatiner. What are you doing, yeah. squatiner? Oh, it's me. Yeah, funny. they look so silly, but so funny. The other one that absolutely had me absolutely howling in the latest one was the the fish that's coloured like decaying flesh and pretends to be dead. Oh, I don't think I've seen the latest one. Oh, mate, when you get to it, you'll be absolutely howling like we were. So it just like swims along and then has to Shakespearean like, oh no, I've died. Ugh, and then like falls <laughs> onto the bottom <laughs> of the seafloor. <laughs> And so then the other fish like fish like oh it's dead let's go let's go have a nibble and then it's like no way I'm not and then just jump like flips off and catches the fish. That's Absolutely wild, hilarious. Okay, yeah, I look forward to that then. Indeed. Um, so yeah, biomedical wearables. Three main applications at the minute, which is fitness and wellness, which is probably how most people will interact with them for the time yeah. being. I've got my um, Garmin watch. Yeah, there you go. Your your phone, I guess, would even count as a fitness and wellness kind of thing, even if you've got a f- step tracker on there. Yeah, I mean, it can do cadence I've got when you're walking. Google Fit on my phone. Yeah, and it shouts can, at me if I've done the right number of steps or I've got my heart points for the week. With Google Fit, you can also do heart rate when you put your finger over the camera back in the old phones. So I'm not sure if you can do it anymore because it was to do with the setup where the flash was. Uh, so you could right. turn the flash on, put your finger over the camera. And it would be able to tell from the fluctuations of, I don't know what, <laughs> I guess it's the the light that gets reflected yes, into the sensor yeah. uh, with the your, your heart rate. That's cool. Yeah. Um, Very cool. Um, chronic disease management is another one. So that's as we've spoken about diabetes or hypertension. If you have continuous measurement, then getting continuous data back is really helpful there mm. and the the other one or kind of last final major application right now is early disease detection so some wearables incorporate early detection features for conditions like atrial fibrillation through ecg monitoring uh, so if you wear a heartbeat monitor and that starts to become irregular or it sounds different because a lot of stuff's done with sound nowadays with the heart then uh, that's a way to detect that early on uh, so, oh, I didn't know the name for it. Like, uh, oh, it was like Taki Tiki Echo, Taki Echo, Tachycardia. And that's when you have like a heart attack specifically. Yeah. Them. Um. Oh, you mean it was a product? Yeah. Oh, I see. With old ECGs. We love them. Interesting thing about ECGs is you can use them for passwords because they're unique. Are they? Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's fine on a healthy person. If you've got someone like me who may be like, you know, suffering from something, you may be locked out of your account. Um, but yeah, oh, right. what yeah, movie were we watching? That um, Someone became the, the, the prime minister due because of something, some reason. Someone got assassinated. They were like, oh, we need to like get you to log in. Um, we'll put your two thumbs on this device. You know, was it not, designated not, survivor? No, not that. Not it's an English one, not an American one. Oh, okay. There's like, a survivor. It's an absolute banger of a series. Who haven't watched it? Is it. Good. Go watch that. Yeah. It's so good. I think I watched it's the first so two or three seasons, and then stopped. <sighs> yeah, as well. Yeah. Because they, they brought it back, and it was okay. Then they shouldn't have. Yeah, it's fair. It's like Arrested Development. Killed it in the first four seasons. Then they did a ten year later thing. Oh, it wasn't the same. But they tried. I haven't watched the rest of the developments. I can't. I can't. Oh, it's good. It's a good time. I'm surprised. I think you'll like it. No, all those American shows are not for me. It's fair. Like the family one, not for me. Modern family? Yeah, modern family, not for me. Community, I've watched some of it. Most of it, not for me. Okay, I liked community. 
Uh, oh, did you know it comes out today? As in release date of this episode tomorrow what? for us, but today for everyone else. Um, Scott Pilgrim takes off. Oh, is it the anime? Yeah. Version. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Can't they think they got the original voice actors back? Cannot wait. Yeah. Um, um, they have changed them the style though, because the main guy changed the, the cadence and the way he spoke to make it more fit the animation. Okay. So he's not doing word for word everything no. said in the exact same way. They are they are changing a little bit, but yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I'll be interested. So for people who don't know, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, uh, it was a film, but before that was a graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, basically about Scott Pilgrim and his endeavor to chase a girl called Ramona Flowers. And the film was incredible. The music was insane. Yep. Um, if you want to see Chris Evans as some Chris punk skater boy, Evans, skater so boy, funny. Um, you can go watch it, have a good time. And what they've managed to do is bring every single cast member back to do, I guess, like another remake, but it's an animation in the style of the graphic novel. Yeah, do you know that um, uh, Brie Larson was in the original? Yeah, yeah. Of which I completely forgot. Play, uh, yeah, she, it's one of those things you, um, you blank out. Uh, Black Sheep, which is an absolute... That slaps. That's an absolute banger. It slaps. And I was listening to a, a, her version of it, and I was like, oh, actually, this is quite good. This is quite good. Hello so, again. Another friend. Yeah, it's one of those um, <laughs> albums that I'll... We are the sex bombs. I'll yeah. just randomly go back to because <laughs> <laughs> they just did it so well. Yeah, so. The bad guy is the the main actor in Meteor City. Asteroid yeah. City. Asteroid City, not Meteor. Yeah, Asteroid City, not Meteor City. I'm yet to watch that. It's been on the list since it came out. Uh, Jason Schwartzman. Yeah, he's in it. Came back, Chris Evans, Brie Larson, Kieran, uh, Kieran Colgan. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to watch yeah. it. Home Alone, the Home Alone actor. He he, he plays the the gay roommate. Macaulay Colgan, or his brother. Kieran Colgan. Yes, it's his brother. Yeah, but he was in Home Alone. Was he? Yeah. Who was he? Um, I think his bro- his brother in the actual thing. Oh right. Yeah. Oh, honestly, that does make sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, why would you not? Why would you not do both? Um, <laughs> yeah, honestly. And then Aubrey Plaza plays Judy Powers. Great cast. Great cast. Yeah. Such a perfect uh, choice of actor to play the deadpan, uh, hateful coffee Just works barista. so well. Just walks it. Anna Kendrick's oh, in it as well. Like, so, yeah, so, so ridiculous. It. It's just a stacked cast. Absolutely. Mary Elizabeth Winstead plays Ramona. The love yeah. interest. Um, what's she been in recently? Ahsoka. She's been in recently. Good time. Anyway, what? we've been on a big tangent here. <laughs> we've got eight minutes, seven minutes left of the show. Oh, uh, we is do. There anything else you'd like to cram? Oh, on yeah, in? yeah, yeah. Cram in. We'll, we'll cram in. Um, Hugh Owen Thomas. Yes. Yeah. yeah that's a good show, isn't it? So, it what, Tom? You mentioned this earlier. Do you want to... Yeah, I can give it a brief rundown. So Mitch suggested this topic earlier, and I was trying to think of moments in history that I can think of where something was introduced and it dramatically changed uh, like the survival rate. And for some reason, the Thomas Splint came to my mind. <laughs> so just over 100 years ago, World War One was going on, and among many of the tragic deaths and injuries that that people were suffering, uh, one of them that was particularly tragic was a broken femur. The femur is the bone in your thigh, and the death rate of people who were injured with a femur was 80%. And you may be like, why? It's just a broken bone. People broke their bones a lot that day. That that wasn't English. People broke their bones lots back in the day and didn't have an 80% death rate. Um, what's particularly dangerous about the femur is the muscles surrounding it are so strong and muscles like to contract and that's fine when they're attached to a solid thing but when they're attached to two separate things that just coming towards each other it just pulls the bone in on itself and you just basically slowly stab yourself until you get an infection and sepsis and die so this guy introduced (laughs) the Thomas splint 
And it's basically like a brace that goes around the outside of your entire leg. You tie your foot to one end, and then there's like a, a wooden ring that goes around the top of your thigh, around like the, the back of your, your buttocks. And it basically pulls your leg tight and stops the bones uh, crunching in on themselves, stabbing at your muscle, and keeps them in line just long enough for them to heal. And you go from an 80% death rate to an 80% survival rate wild it happened yeah. in like the blink of an eye as soon as they started uh, thinking about this application um yep. so, so yeah say what you will about wars but a lot of innovation comes through you know they like saving yeah, so time splints splint the thomas splint was actually invented in 18 something so quite a lot before world war one 57 um 57 and it was actually Hugh Owen Thomas's nephew who suggested starting to use them in World War One. Mm. Mm. Um, but yes, I don't have much more history or information on it than that. But uh, yeah, wild. Uh, so about a bit at his early career in life, his grandfather and father were both bone setters. Ooh, that was their yeah. that was their that was their job was a bone setter. That's got to be a bit of a nasty job back in the day. Like people, pain management, not great. People just screaming. Oh, but necessary, necessary yeah, like what? work. Really, even as a bone setter. I think it's, it's like just putting the... the bones in place, right? So yeah. you, they break. Ooh, manually manipulating bones and joints with your hands to realign them. Yeah. Oh, Christ. Uh, uh, luckily, when I snapped my wrist in two. You didn't need a bone setter. No, I did. I had to go Did to you? surgery, same day surgery, uh, to manipulate my... Because I cracked clean through both of my wrist bones. Oh, nice. So my wrist was just essentially hanging off. Well, if you're going to do, um, do it properly, that's what I said. Well, exactly. It's the only bone I've ever broken. <laughs> I went in there and my wrist was like... Floppy. You got the arm. Oh, it was then... like that scene in Harry Potter where you just get rid of the bone and it goes really floppy. It wasn't floppy. It was just conge The swelling... Was, and just the the bone just poking against the skin. I remember kind of thinking, oh, if I have broken it, and the nurse was like, yeah, you've definitely broken it. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, they put me in surgery same day, but they, luckily they knocked me out, went under, um, because they were like, this is too much to do under local, and you might just pass out anyway. So here you go. So yeah. The, they're still they're still around bone setters the they job are, that never around. goes away no it'll never bones are never going to go away um no carrying on from uh hugh owens thomas's legacy yes, sorry uh about the being a bone setter um he actually is also remembered for his holistic approach to patient care uh emphasizing the importance of diet rest and overall well-being and recovery and his principles continue to influence um orthopedic treatments and rehabilitation practices till this day so oh, what a hero what an absolute champion Came up with the Good splint lad. and thought, you know, that's not, it's not enough. Give him 10 more years, he would have been all about the microbiome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's cool. All right. Well, uh, I guess that brings us to uh, a nice conclusion then. Uh, so thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us. I hope mm. we didn't scare you too much about the dangers of AI and getting your future medical devices hacked. Um, but if you have... Hop on over to Twitter, TikTok, or Instagram at InfoEntropyPod, um, or Information Entry Pod, which it is on Instagram. Um, and of course, whichever directory you're listening to this on as well, you can give us a like, follow, rating. We appreciate all of it. If you want us to cover something for you because you don't have the time, let us know. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Anything else you want to throw out there, mate? Oh, this is a bit where we do uh, the final section. Uh, let me find it. Don't forget to subscribe <laughs> to our podcast for more insightful episodes. If you're fascinated in how technology is transforming healthcare, join the conversation on our social media channels. Share your thoughts, questions, and stay tuned for more groundbreaking content. Ah, oh, mate. Yeah, that's what, that's Wonderful that was. Yeah. Yeah. Because you got to add a call Did to you action. Use a script? Uh, for that, yeah, no, I wrote it earlier. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, yes, we need, we, 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 need we need call to actions. <laughs> we need call to actions. Not just, you know follow us on social media like actually you know share your thoughts that's just what to, I to did. yeah 
<laughs> here I am sharing my thoughts, mate. I yeah, well, we, we, we both shared our thoughts. We went here from you know, the listeners' thoughts. Um, Absolutely, we're pretty, we pretty good with it. We're pretty good with it. When people DM us, we donated them back. Yeah, Tom does a better job. Uh, he, I think it's on. Have you got it on your phone? I don't know. If it's on I my do phone. have it on my phone. Yeah, yeah, so that's I, why uh, it doesn't, it doesn't from ping. The website formerly known as Twitter. I don't have on my phone. Yeah, but I don't think people message us on that too much. To be honest, no, we we had one recently. Um, uh. But yeah, hit us up on the instas. Yeah, we we slide into our Insta DMs. We we were on that a lot, a lot more. I haven't checked TikTok in a while, actually. I've checked mine, <laughs> so maybe, maybe I'll do that. Um, <laughs> this is where we've become really famous on TikTok. We just don't know. If you're, if you're listening, you watch on TikTok. Yeah. Cheers, cheers. We appreciate you. Thanks. <laughs> All right, <laughs> we'll leave it there before I embarrass myself even more. Ciao for now. In a bit. Peace.